0: The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art. Scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Howdy, Aguiland, and welcome back to the KME Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studios, we have a very special show planned for you. We have Eric Nesda here, and that's G-N-E-Z-D-A, Eric Nesda. And he is the creator and host of the American public television series, Songs at the Center, which airs in over 300 PBS stations, including this one. And you can catch that show tonight at 1130 p.m. on the 12.1 KMU channel. He is also an award-winning singer-songwriter, Emmy-nominated TV journalist, national keynote speaker, communications coach, and a regular performer at Nashville's The Bluebird Cafe. I apologize for the long intro, but he has a very decorated career. And we have a great conversation about how he started off with music in school musicals, as well as his show, The Songs at the Center, and what we can expect of this current season airing, which is season nine. All right, let's start my interview with Eric Nesda. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fine, Hector. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited for a conversation today. There's so much to talk about. I mean, we could spend all day here, uh, but hopefully I have gotten out the most important details of your career that we can talk about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds great.
0: Awesome, awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Um, well, I like to go through the background of my guests before we go into your show, The Songs at the Center. Um, so I wanted to ask you, where are you from? Where, where would you call home?
1: Well, my home is in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, called Worthington. It's right on the northern edge of Columbus. And it's probably a lot like suburbs all over the country. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I'm a central Ohioan. Okay, and were you raised there as well? Yes, I was. I was raised here. And uh, in fact, I'm getting ready to write a book about uh, growing up here in the same town that I now live. uh, Because that's not that usual these days. People tend to move around a lot. But I've stayed in one place and uh, uh, been able to do a lot of things from this this one central location.
0: Right. And I know you're a lot into writing as well as music. But I was wondering, what got you um, interested in music? Was it those school musicals that you were in? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I, I
1: I never grew up thinking I wanted to be in music. It was kind of something I did on the side. But about my sophomore year in high school, my junior year in high school, I just had a, a, a I don't know where it came from, but it was a, a, an overwhelming passion to learn to play the piano. I'm not a good student uh, with that, so I kind of taught myself, and I taught myself to write songs and play the piano at the same time. Um, so it's just something, it's a passion that took me, I don't know why. Um, but once i once I discovered that I you know put a lot of other stuff uh, to rest like my athletic career and all that and really got into music and writing
0: yeah I mean we're lucky that you did <laughs> because we have so <laughs> well, much thank you of course um. And so, did you have any like important teachers? I know you taught yourself piano, but were there any? Right, uh,
1: you know, back in my day, today, today, if if you're sixteen, seventeen, you want to go to college and study songwriting, there's all kinds of places you can go. You can go to, to Belmont or, uh, you know, uh, other places, uh, Miami Univer- University of Miami, and they teach songwriting there. Um, but in my day, you just had to you had to listen to people you liked. And for me, that was Jackson Brown and, and Jim Croce and Janice Ian, and, you know, all the singer-songwriters of the 70s. And I learned their songs. They, they were my teachers. And luckily wow. enough, we'll get to this later, uh, some of them have been on my show. Wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a real wild ride.
0: Yeah, full circle moments for you, I bet. Right. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about what impacted you to write music. And I know that one of your songs, Daddy's Wheels, is about um, your father's diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. Uh, Right. Can you tell us about his diagnosis and why it was important when he was diagnosed?
1: Yeah, um, I'll tell you, I don't think that, let me start out by saying that whenever somebody asks me about my life, Mm -hmm. I say the first thing that you need to know is that my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis three days after I was born. Right. And, you know, again, that was a time when they didn't quite have the treatments that they have today. And it was a very, uh, debilitating disease. And the song, I mean, every, every aspect of my life, uh, I think has to do with that. He was a very funny man, so I learned the value of humor through him. Uh, but he was also uh, very aesthetic, very attuned to politics, uh, very aware of that stuff. And he, he knew more about what was going on in the world from his four walls than you know people out in the world know. Wow. And so one of the things that when I was growing up, you know, back, back in the day, there'd only be a couple photos of your picture of your parents and grandparents. Cause that's all there were today. It's like, you know, do you want to see 10,000 pictures of my, my grandfather? No, I don't. I'd like to see one, but, but back then we had a couple pictures of him lying around and one of him was on a bicycle. He was about 12 years old. Uh, he just had the world in front of him. He was smiling and, and all this, and that was part of his paper route that he had. And, and my aunt told me this funny story about how, you know, he, he'd go collect for his paper route and he, before he got home, he'd spend all the money on ice cream and Cola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but there was this picture of him on his, on his bicycle. And that was the impetus for the song daddy's wheels.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that he was very humorous. Um, did he impact the way you tell stories? Oh yeah,
1: I mean, I, uh, you know, you grow up in that environment. And you just you just pick up on it. And you know, one of the highest compliments that 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 I, I've gotten in my life is like when someone says you're just like your father was, or you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, it was very sad. He he had a, a, a tremendous influence on me the family and, and the people who knew him. But I mean, it was very sad to see a man of such intelligence and humor just just get knocked out of the world. Mm-hmm. His, his, his world was the four walls he lived in and the, the family and a couple of friends that would come to visit him. Um, but to us, you know, he was everything and he, he really um, instituted some very important values, um, not so much by what he said, um, but how he lived, you know, and, and for me, the, the, you know, what I learned from him is that as long as you're breathing, there's a purpose for you, you can still love and, and connect and think and, and, and so you can accomplish a lot, even though you're not in the world with people,
0: right? And I mean, I feel like you definitely found your purpose. Um, you went to Ohio Westland to study journalism and then got right. your MFA at the Renier Writing Workshop at Pacific Lutheran University uh, right. in creative writing. Um, I'm, I'm interested in too, why not going to music? Why journalism specifically? <laughs> well,
1: that's funny. First of all, I want to tell you that in all my years in the music business, I've only met probably less than a handful of people who really majored in music mm-hmm. um, because and a lot of us don't read music. Uh, we, we hear things by ear and 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 I mean some of us can do both but for the most part most of us uh, have learned by ourselves uh, and and we're not we're not quote trained in music um, so that that doesn't seem strange to me Um but the other thing is that because I because I taught myself most of what I know about music, when I went to college, um, I tried to get in the music program, and I, you have to take a, a test with dictation and all these terms and things you need to do. Right. And out of 100, I scored about a nine or a 10 on the test. So right. I was not a good candidate for the music school. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, creative people <laughs> have a different side of the brain that works differently. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely understand exactly. that. All right, you guys, we will be going on a quick break, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back. All right, well, it seems like your passions for music and ri- writing don't really outweigh each other, and you double into so many other things, but um, this has now led you to your creation of Songs at the Center, right? It has all you know right. to this um so what is the format of the show is it performance and interview or how does that go
1: Well it's um I I interview songwriters some who are very famous and some who are not famous but likely one day will be and I ask them you know during the course of our conversations very much like what we're doing um you know, I ask them about their background and what their influences were and those kinds of things, and then they'll play a song. And we do two types of shows on songs at the center. Um our regular shows, which are songwriter rounds. I invite three songwriters to come and we sit in a semicircle and we talk and we share songs. And then there are the master series episodes in which I invite uh People like John Oates, Janice Ian, Rodney Crowell, um, Ray Stevens—you uh, know some of the big names—and and I sit with them alone, and they will uh, sing a song and talk to me, and um, it, it, you know, and and really the the show um, is about the songwriter and the process. We we say that our tagline line is songs. Singers and stories, and if 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 we have those three elements in a show, we think we're we're getting to the, the 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 core of what we do.
0: Right. I mean, I know I try to do something similar with this show where we talk about the art that that person um, loves or enacts. I, it, when they talk about right. something that is passionate for them, it's just it's so much fun, and I love seeing that. And I, I bet it's very satisfying for you as well and validating.
1: It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And and I, um, you know. I've been through what everybody's gone through. I mean, if you know, we had Don Schlitz on the show, and he's he wrote The Gambler when he was like 23 years old or 22, something like that. And he, he's written all of these famous songs. Well, he and I do not have that in common, but what we do have in common is the process. I, you know, I go through the same things he does when he's writing a song, right? But yet, every songwriter has a different way of explaining the process. And, you know, if you don't mind, I'll just give you an example. Um, I talk about the creative process, you know, as if it's climbing a mountain. You have all the the initial inspiration takes you, it might take you up 50% or 40% or 60% of this mountain, and you're just flying up there. And, And then all of a sudden, for no reason at all, with no warning, the inspiration disappears. Oh, no. And so there you are halfway up, and you think, well, I, I got to keep climbing, or or you don't. It'll never get done if, if if you don't start enacting some of the craft that you've learned and this kind of stuff. So that that's the way I explain it. Another writer, uh, Mark Brinkman, explains it as the 80-20 rule. He said you spend 20% of your time working on 80% of the song, but then 80% of your time working on 20% of the song. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, it's the same thing, but we just have different ways of approaching it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so interesting to me as a songwriter is that there's a universal act that 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 we we act upon when we're writing a song, but we all come away with different ways of expressing it.
0: Right. Different means to an end.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly.
0: And do you think you seek these stories because you know how much your songs hold about you and you want to learn that from other people?
1: That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to think about that. I, I think that I know that I have a, a an authentic interest in the creative process hmm. and I love interacting with creative people uh, so I think it has something to do with that um, at plus I also like to entertain but I you know it's like Walt Disney said you know before you can educate you have to entertain them first and I kind of feel yeah. like that's always been my approach uh, whether I'm speaking or teaching or you know, entertaining, I I, I want to make sure that, that people are enjoying themselves first. So, I, so here's an opportunity with this show to help educate people in the process, but yeah, we're entertaining them too. Mm-hmm. And our hope is that, you know, if there's some 10 year old kid, you know, in Montana who, um, is feeling lost and feeling like an outcast that, that, that maybe, Maybe this show, maybe music, maybe he finds something in the show that will encourage him to seek a, a positive path through the arts. So that's 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 one of the, the the major motivations for the show too.
0: All right, awesome. I mean, I know that just looking into your career, I'm already motivated myself to to write some music because. <laughs> I know for me, it's been really difficult and I've kind of just stopped doing it because I don't feel as confident, but I definitely feel like that motivation again to try it again.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I've I've heard again and again and again from uh, artists that I've whose workshops I've um, gone to is that, you know, (laughs) you don't you don't have to produce anything great or that anything that anyone listens to to be a songwriter. If, if you sit down and put words on paper and create a melody, you're a songwriter. Right. So, and, and I think that, I think that that's something that songwriters understand, but our culture is so intent upon, you know, fame and how well you're known and all that, 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 that the art becomes second or third in, in the process of of evaluating something. So, You know, like, you know, I I get the question all the time. Have you written anything I might have heard? Well, no, but that doesn't mean I'm not a songwriter. You know, so, um, but I mean, the, the, the actual answer to that is, yes, you might have, but, you know, it's not, it hasn't been charted. So, you know, well, he's not really a songwriter. He's a pretender. No, I'm a songwriter, and there's thousands of us around the country who are doing this. We love it and we're good at it but there are people who are also known for this um, who you know take it to a, a a different commercial level
0: but i mean i feel like people have maybe heard one or two of your stuff, because, I mean, you're all over the place, all things considered with NPR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 so. no,
1: I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I, you know, in, in about two or three times a year, I'll perform on my own show. And I mean, that's going out to, you know, hundreds of TV stations. So, I mean, pe- people have heard through the years, they have heard my music, they are hearing it now, you know, to the untrained ear out there, you say songwriter, and they think of John Oates, Jimmy Webb, those kinds of people. And that, that it's a matter of educating them as well to the fact that songwriting is much broader than what's charted. And and there's a great, great example of that. Um, In season nine, we we had a guy on our show. In fact, I just talked to him on the phone yesterday. His name is Matt Butler. He's from New York City. Um, And he has dedicated his life to going in the prisons and singing for the prisoners. And that's what he likes to do. And he, he has, and and we had dinner and we, we shared this philosophy. He calls it the just one rule. Um, And I don't really have a name for it, but he said, when I go into a gig, if I can reach one person, if, if I can touch them, then I think I've done my job. Well, obviously he touches more than that, but he goes into the gig thinking that that's his job. And those are the stories to me, as an artist and a teacher, those are the most important stories on Songs at the Center, because it shows a commitment and a passion to the art of songwriting that is well beyond what you hear on the charts. Right. And there's a place for all of this music. There's a place for hits and there's a place for those personal songs that only mean something to you and your friends and your family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, something doesn't need recognition in order for it to be impactful. <laughs> right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody else on season nine that you'd want to preview here on the show?
1: Well, we've got a ton of great people on season nine. I'm so glad, glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've got, of course, the season starts off with Ray Stevens, and uh, he he's just, you know, this, this man is amazing. Um, I've had so many people um, contact me on social media and stuff, talk about th- how he's come across in their careers and what a difference he's made to them. Here's a guy at age 80 at age eighty, decides he's going to build a theater in Nashville, <laughs> and then he, uh, he he does. And um, it's just um, he performs there every Saturday night. He's got shows there the other you know the other nights. He's he's our guest on our first show. Then we have uh, three songwriters, uh, all of whom are wonderful: Jesse Terry, um, Kashana. Uh, and Craig Bickhart, Craig Bickhart was a hit maker back in the 80s and 90s with a band called SKB, which was uh, Tom Schuyler and Craig Bickhart and uh, some other person, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. And then we have the Four Bitchin' Babes who are a national act, um, Sally Fingeret, Debbie uh, Smith, uh, Deidre Flint and, and Christine Lavin. Um, then, uh, we have a show, this is a really interesting show, with Andrew Ferris. And Andrew Ferris was uh, the songwriting engine between the 80s band, In Excess. And he sold you know, 70 million albums worldwide. And he um, has, but he, he, he married a woman from Dayton, Ohio, of all places. And he is the most humble, nicest man uh, and, and it was a thrill to have him on the show and he, you know, he's, he's what so many of our, our, our artists are that they, they come and they're willing to share, they're open and they want to know about what you're doing too and what the other artists are doing. And he's on a show with Rod Abernethy and, uh, a, a young songwriter, uh, called, um, Murphy, who was on the um, American Idol. He was a finalist on American Idol. We also have Mike Reed, and he's just one of my favorite songwriters. And for those people who have some history behind them, they might remember that Mike Reed uh, played football for Penn State and in 1970 was the seventh player chosen in the draft. And he was a first-round draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. And he uh, was an all-pro for a couple of years. And I think after four or five years, he just quit to move to Nashville and very soon afterwards turned into a number one uh, songwriter. And he wrote um, a lot of songs for um, Rodney Millsap. Yeah, he wrote a, lot of, a ton of st- songs for Mon- Rodney Millsap, including Stranger in My House which went to number one, was a Grammy Award winner. Wow. But I'll tell you, what I remember him for most is that he co-wrote I Can't Make You Love Me for Bonnie Raitt, and the, the demo of that song with just him on the, at the piano is 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 mind-boggling. It's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. We've also got Mark Arelli, Matt Butler, who I told you about, and Angela Purley, and then one of our... This show, um, they approached us to do it as, as more and more artists are doing, but we have three. They're right on the cusp of stardom. They're all all well-known in Nashville, but they're not quite household names. But we had Tennille Towns, Caitlin Smith, and Kaylee Hammock from Nashville, and they just set the place on fire. And then our last show that we recorded this year was – Oh, gosh, I just can't say enough good things about both of these people. Gary Burr and Georgia Middleman, uh, who are a married couple, Gary has uh, a bunch of number one songs that he's written, and uh, Georgia is his wife, and they, they go out and they, they play together, and, and they're just very entertaining and very educational. So that's our lineup for this year and uh, for this season, and we're just very, very pleased to uh, present it.
0: Wow, I mean, that sounds like some great stories are going to be available for us. Um, And if you want to check that out, that'll be out tonight, season 9 at 11.30 p.m. tonight, if you want to check it out. So what's something about your art of songwriting or journalism or music that we haven't spoken about, but that you want our audience to know?
1: Well, I think that um and again i'm just talking for myself i think we each need to find our passion we in our path but for me um you know people say my goodness how you know how can you do all these things and 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 good-natured people you know back in the day would say eric you gotta focus you gotta focus or you're never gonna get anywhere well for me it that wasn't that wasn't the the objective um I found that you know, each form of communication, and I taught speech for a while, for 12 years, and, and my lesson to them so often was whatever you're doing to communicate informs other aspects of that. For instance, there are things that I've learned from speaking to my, my songwriting career, my performance career. There's things that I've learned from my performance career that i i take to to tv there's there are things that um i take from my performance career that go to my writing Um, for instance um i think that anybody who's who's writing whether it's an article a book a magazine piece or whatever can benefit from getting in front of a comedy audience Um, and by that i mean if, if you want to be scared into knowing that an audience exists and that they're listening, get in front of a group of people who's saying, make me laugh. <laughs> and whether you're up there for two minutes or for 20 minutes, you get the idea and you will never forget it again, that there is an audience out there. And in fact, I, you know when I was in uh, TV uh, earlier in my career, I remember telling the news director that you know the one thing that he could do that would be of benefit to his anchors is to get them in front of an audience, get them in front of a live audience um, because they will never forget that somebody is listening. They're not just in the vacuum of a, a studio with TV cameras. They are, uh, they are actually communicating with human beings. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, everything that I've done and I'm doing informs each other. And to, to extract one and put it aside detracts from everything that I'm doing.
0: Right. I mean, I think you're a great example that you can be successful while following all of your passions, even if they don't seem to correlate, they do. <laughs> Well, Eric, thank you so much uh, for stopping by and um, talking to us about all of your experience. I think it's an awesome way of documenting what you love. And uh, I can't wait to see where Songs at the Center goes in the future.
1: Thanks, Hector. We really appreciate being able to talk to you and hi to your fans.
0: I'm Hector Nino, and you've been listening to The Heart of Art, a production of 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can find all of our shows anytime at kamu.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu.